Thanks for listening to the New Stanton Church podcast. Check out our website at newstantonchurch.com where you can find out how to join our live stream at 901 on Sunday mornings. Now let's prepare our hearts for the word that we're about to receive. Welcome to those who are joining us online. If uh, those online want to say good morning, we'd love to see you comment in the section on the live stream. Tell us how many people are with you at home. Uh, The live stream only counts devices, not the number of people in the room. So it'd be good to know how many people are actually out there. Uh, If you're on site, there are some Bibles under your seats, and those are for you. If you don't have one at home, that is our gift to you. We believe everyone should have a copy of the Word of God to hear from God. Uh, The only thing that it will cost you is you have to read it. Uh, I would recommend starting in a book like Jonah. It's short, it's simple, it speaks God's direction and truth in following his will. So how many of you, as we begin, would agree that this year has been one heck of a year? It, it, like everybody in the room is like, amen. Uh, but let's, let's recap just for fun, right? Uh, by mid-March, Most places, like not only in the United States, but like in the world, were shut down because of COVID-19. So many people lost so much. Uh, Some people lost loved ones. I lost an aunt. Other people lost jobs. Many people lost income. Some people lost their businesses or are riding that line of about to lose their business. I don't know that we've seen the end of the financial impact of this yet. All of us lost a sense of normalcy in our lives. Uh, The kids are going back to school, maybe, (laughs) but not under normal circumstances. Some teachers are worried they don't know what to expect yet. And it makes you kind of wonder what the world will be like moving forward, you know, post-COVID-19, if there's a post to all this at all. An observation. In the past, when our nation faced a crisis, Americans united around it. I don't care whether you're talking about World War I, World War II, the gas crisis of the 70s, or 9-11. We have a history of uniting as a nation around a crisis. But COVID-19 has been tremendously different. This crisis has divided us, or maybe it just revealed the growing divide in our nation, like in significant ways. There are some who are saying, you know what? This is serious. We should shut everything down and keep everything down. Don't send the kids back to school. Wear a mask. Stay at home. Wait for a vaccine. Even if this will save one life, it is worth all of it. And there are others who are saying, you know what? This is baloney. We shouldn't have shut anything down. Or we should have opened everything back up as soon as we flattened the curve, send the kids back to school, don't wear a mask, go wherever you would, even if they come up with a vaccine, I'm not signing up. Everyone dies. Ruining people's livelihood for generations is not worth this. And 
people are dying and because they won't go to the hospital or hospitals aren't doing elective surgeries and heart disease is the number one killer in this country, not COVID-19. Even churches have felt this divide. Some people were upset when all the churches closed their doors. Some people are upset that some churches have their doors open again. What's troubling to me is the way each side of those arguments are like demonizing one another. Some are saying, you are reckless, irresponsible, and you are ignoring the science. Others are saying, I cannot believe you are such a mindless sheep. Do you see the numbers and the statistics? Who's not seeing the science here? There is so much tension and division in the midst of this crisis. It's also election year, (laughs) which tends to divide our nation even more, right? And then on top of all that this year were the tragic deaths of people like George Floyd and Cannon Hanan. Their deaths brought to the forefront the divide in our nation over racism. And again, there are differing opinions. Some Americans feel this is a huge problem in our nation, and other Americans feel like this isn't a problem at all. I will go on the record and say, anytime anyone judges another person on the basis of the color of their skin, black or white, it's wrong. Racism is real, and it's wrong in the eyes of God, because he, the one God, created us all, and he loves us us all. God doesn't make mistakes, and his love and grace and forgiveness is available to all of us. Just so we're on the same page, Jesus is what you would call, and I would call, a person of color. He was a Middle Eastern Jew. He did not have light skin, blue eyes, or sandy brown hair, and he did not speak King James English, you know, just for the record, you know, I think everybody knows that, but I think sometimes people get a little hung up on stuff like that. (laughs) Here is my gut reaction to 2020. The enemy is laughing and celebrating our division. We have so many resources. We have so much technology that could be used to making him the one God known to the world. We're distracted by fighting one another. A lack of unity is especially sad when it's in the body of Christ. Just one for the simple reason that Jesus commanded us to maintain unity. The Holy Spirit can do so much through us if we stand together. Here's what New Stanton Church has strived to do. We've tried to openly stand for Jesus and not worldly agendas. We have tried to guard against letting the world load our gun, so to speak, because there will always be voices in church circles and other circles that tell you in order to walk with Jesus, you have to subscribe to X, Y, and Z. My brothers and sisters, we are only called to listen to one voice. He is the only person that should be loading our gun and our life with the way we think, act, feel, and we surrender to him. 
We need to discern the voice of God through the word, through the Holy Spirit, and with the fellowship of believers. Those voices should all be saying the same thing. At least eventually, as we work out our salvation with fear and trembling and come to an understanding of the truth, don't let the world load your gun and tell you what you have to subscribe to. Look to your Father in heaven. He will never steer you wrong. My goal this morning is kind of to let the word speak about the unity that we are called to share as believers. And I want to start in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 10 where Paul writes I appeal to you brothers and sisters in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that all of you agree with one another in what you say and that there be no divisions among you but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought now the word Paul uses for divisions is like this ripping apart this splitting this tearing kind of accurately describes what our culture looks like these days but Paul is saying to the church don't let that happen don't let anything get you off track don't let anything divert your attention from the main thing be united in mind and thought as I look at our nation I I honestly wonder can that really happen in our nation. As I look at the church, not just our church, but church with like a big C, can that happen in the church, in our country and around the globe? Can it even happen in our church here in New Stanton? Honestly, I'm not even sure if it was true of the early church. The early church faced multiple heresies, division, Paul was always trying to hold them together around the gospel essentials so they weren't torn apart. That's why he's writing this in 1 Corinthians 1.10. The early church wrestled with diet laws, circumcision, Gnostic tendencies, which denied the humanity of Jesus, just to simplify that. One of the pitfalls, in my opinion, of American Christianity in our day is the unity at all cost mentality. I don't think it's biblical. Instead of unity at all cost, I think what Paul was calling us to unify around was an orthodox understanding of the faith. And by orthodox, I mean like a historical understanding of the faith as affirmed by the ancient creeds. And I think that's the first thing, in case you're taking notes, that we are called to unify around. I'm going to share three with you this morning, but that's the first one. We are called to unite around an orthodox understanding of the faith. Trying to force unity at all costs. These people trying to be unified that have core and fundamental differences. And it is not possible, nor is it biblical. You cannot unify someone who thinks the word of God is the authoritative word from God revealed to us that directs all of our steps, how we feel, thought, our passions, what's acceptable, what's not. You can't Unify that person with someone who thinks 
you know what? Those are some spiritual suggestions, like a buffet, and I can, I can take what I want and not what I want. That, that doesn't have authority over my life. Those two opinions cannot coexist. For those of you who have taken our membership class, you may remember the section on essentials and non-essentials. And counsel wisely, years ago, put together a set of essential or core beliefs that we believe were and are central core to the understanding of our relationship with God and one another. You can find those on our website. Uh, There are things that we would, however, consider non-essential. Those are differences in opinion within the body of Christ that don't violate the word of God. For example, scripture is clear that everyone who has faith should be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and with water. But scripture is not clear. It doesn't specify how much water. So if you want to be dunked all the way under, cool. If you want me to pour water on top of your head, let's get it done. If you want sprinkled, have at it. The important thing is the symbolism of the water washing away your sin in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. It's a means of God's grace. Baptism is essential. The amount of water, not essential. Likewise, drinking alcohol. Some Christians are like, oh, you should never do that. You know what? Well, the Bible isn't clear on that. The Bible is clear that you should not be drunk. You want to abstain? Awesome. You want to have a beer or two and not get drunk? Have at it. Jesus made wine at a wedding? People drank it. <laughs> just, just saying. I'm way ahead of my notes. <laughs> I think the church can be unified within the bounds of Scripture by holding to the essentials and offering grace in the non-essentials. Paul says, I beg you, church, don't let divisions around the essentials separate you. What if our generation, or at least our church, could say, you know what, that's true of us. In order for that to happen, we have to first be united around an orthodox understanding of the truth and offer grace in the non-essentials. In fact, this morning, let's affirm that historic faith together as we say the Apostles' Creed together. It's on the screen. Would you join me? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. That defines in large part, who we are and also our mission 
Because everyone should have that understanding of who our Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are. Number two, we are called to unite around a common enemy. Directing our attention towards a common enemy would unite this generation of Jesus followers and help us come together. Ephesians 6.12 says this, For our struggle, like our struggle, is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I think we spend way too much time fighting with people who are not the enemy over non-essentials. Christians fight about how expressive we're allowed to be in worship, and we fight about whether hymns or contemporary music are most holy. We vilify people with different political persuasions. Our enemy is out to cause division and get us distracted from the main thing. Jesus called him in John 10 a thief. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Take a stand, church, on the essentials. Don't let the non-essentials cause you to see someone as an enemy. This, this is the kind of power Jesus intended the church to have in this world. This is Matthew 16. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, the confession that Jesus Christ is Lord, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. If Satan can get the church to fight internally, if he can cause division and hurt feelings and church splits, he can do that. He can keep the church from being the redeeming power of this world that the gates of hell cannot stand against. In order for us to prevail, we must unite against the right enemy. And it's not one another. When I think of rallying around a common enemy, I always think of my brother Brian and I and how we treated our little sister, Sarah, as we were growing up. Uh, growing up, Brian and I were total opposites in, in many ways. Uh, we, both, we both took karate for a time, <laughs> and it looked like kung fu theater <laughs> in our house. I'm sure it drove my parents nuts. But if you picked on our little sister, mm, nope, that wasn't happening. Nobody picked on her but us. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You got a little sister? It's like, that was reserved for us. You didn't do that. In those moments, we had a common enemy. And Brian and I always got along then. And the Banes inflicted pain. That's just what we did. We all as a church need to unite around the real enemy and keep the main thing the main thing. Amen? Well, there's a purpose for this unity and uniting in the faith around a common enemy, and it's number three. We are called to unite around a common mission of showing people Jesus. I think the church, every church, not just our church, always faces the temptation to define success in its mission 
in its works or the works of its people. And what I mean by this is, I remember being on an admissions trip in Mexico and I heard a pastor in Mexico tell someone who, it was, a, it was a young girl actually, and she was hitting on someone in our team and the pastor said, no, 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 we're Christians. No drugs, no alcohol, no this, no this. And he gave her this whole list of no's. And I thought, man, we, we do that too. We tend to define who we are by what we're not involved in. The church often tries to gauge its success and how successful we are at accomplishing the mission by the lack of doing certain things. I think the church even tries to place expectations on people first, like before they join the group. And we, and we de-emphasize the Spirit's work in people's lives. Now, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but I've been at churches where if you weren't a member of a certain political party or if you weren't against X, Y, and Z, and if you didn't boycott this thing and that thing, or if you drank or smoked or went with girls that did, man, you just didn't fit in. You all know that's backwards, right? The church's job is to introduce people to Jesus as their savior. And then it's the Holy Spirit's job to purify someone's heart and life. We can't hold people to Christian standards of thinking, acting, living before they meet Jesus. We need to keep the main thing the main thing. We can trust that the Holy Spirit will work all that other stuff out once we make the introduction and introduce them to Jesus. Look at the Great Commission. You may never have seen this here before, but it's here. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Notice, it doesn't say, but Jesus could have said, Teach them first to obey everything I commanded you. Like, get all that stuff done first, then it's okay to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But you got to teach them all that stuff first. You can't baptize them till their lives look. No. Jesus receives us, all of us, to himself, and then cleans us and transforms us. Over time... As the Holy Spirit lives in us and lives in other people, we will observe and learn to observe the commands of God. And as a church, we're called to be that influence in people's lives. I think getting the mission of showing people Jesus in the correct order will allow us to unite and recapture our witness and our mission as a church. People need to feel the love before they can see the love in the changes that the Holy Spirit wants to make in their life. John 13, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. 
Wouldn't it be awesome if people saw New Stanton Church in action and thought to themselves, I need me some of that. <laughs> like, I don't know what it is about them. I don't know if I agree with all that church stuff, but I need me some of that. Do you see the way they offer forgiveness? Do you see the way they love? Do you see? The, it doesn't matter who you are. They still have love in their hearts. Church, I call you this day to unite around the essentials, to show grace in the non-essentials. I call you to unite against a common enemy and to be known for loving Jesus, loving the people that that one God created. Because in the end, he is all that matters. Let's pray. God, I give you thanks for your love and for your grace, for being good, that you loved and accepted us before our lives reflected who you were. And God, if there's anybody here this morning that just doesn't know that love and acceptance from the Heavenly Father, God, I pray that you would speak to them, that you would open your arms, that they would feel, like, like even literally feel your embrace around them, assuring them that they are loved, that they can be forgiven, and that there is hope, that you have a future in store for them, that it's good, that your son bore on the cross all their pain, all their heartache, all their mistakes, and in the name of Jesus, it's forgiven. So Jesus, we come to you and we invite you in to be the Lord and master of our hearts. Start that transforming work, God, in our lives so that we can be on a mission. Show your love as a church. Unite us, God, around it. In Jesus' name and all God's people say it. Thanks for listening to the New Stanton Church Podcast. We'd love to connect with you. So visit our website at newstantonchurch.com, follow the Get Involved tab, and RSVP to our next meet and greet.